Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Chavtes in Maseches Sukkah, which means that if all goes well, we will be finishing the second chapter of Sukkah and starting the third parak Lulav HaGazol. But we begin three lines down on Chavtes Amar Aleph. Chavtes? Amar Aleph. Amar Rava. See it? Third line from the top. My Mishtia B'Mitalalata. What's a Mitalalata? Um, a sukkah. Okay. Mitalalata. Um, so, Mane Mishtia B'Mitalalata, that you can keep drinking cups in the sukkah. Why? Um, well, by the way, why is the sukkah called a Mitlalta? Because the, the, in Aramaic, the Tet is like a Tzadik. Tzel. Sukkah Hashem Tzel. Sukkah is that which covers. A cell is that which covers, right? It's it's a it's a uh, shady zone. Okay, okay. Sukkah schach coverage cell talata. Okay. So the question is like this: You're supposed to have a nice chill zone in the sukkah, right? A nice relaxed area, right? So where I'm going, I'm uh, I'm, I'm going away for a few days. So if you look up on TripAdvisor, they say, oh the the whatever, the public areas were dirty, this was not a good idea, and you get bad reviews. So, right, you don't want the sukkah to be like that. You want the sukkah to be a, right, a well-maintained place, just like your house would be a well-maintained place, just like if you uh, were to be horsing around in school or wherever, and they said, would you do that in your own house? So the same thing you would say, would you do this in your own house uh, if you're in the sukkah? So would you leave drinking cups in the sukkah? The answer is yes, you can keep Drinking cups in the sukkah, uh, there is a formula. Uh, I don't know the full algorithm, but if you ever have kids come over your house, um, plastic cups per kid, it's about like five per kid per hour, uh, used plastic cups. I think it's roughly that. So anyway, but those, those can stay in the sukkah, even after being used. Uh, however, mani michla bar mimitaltala, right? However, the dishes should be taken outside the sukkah after use, right? Because you wouldn't leave the dishes laying around um, in your in your uh, in your house, okay. Um, it's it's a question. You know what are you talking about now? I mean, it doesn't make the sukkah puzzle, right? But again, it's it, this is what how you supposed to um, this is how you're supposed to behave in the sukkah, okay? So the earthenware jugs and the pails of water you keep outside the sukkah. But a lamp can be placed in the sukkah. So this is basically explaining to you how to set it up, the sukkah. Some say that the lamp should be inside, some say it should be outside the sukkah. Below pligi, this is not really a fundamental machlokas, rather habisukkah gadola, habisukkah katana. In a large sukkah, then you could put a lamp, two possible reasons. Number one, the uh, somewhat foul odor of the lamps of those days would dissipate in a larger sukkah. Number two, in a small sukkah, not only is the odor more concentrated, but you could also burn it down, right? The sukkah katana of Zion by Zion, you put a lamp in there, you can get in trouble. But it be that as it may, um, those are the reasons brought in the Rishonim, and so that's how you set the sukkah up. Okay. Now, remember, in our Mishnah we said, Yardu Gishamim, right? Two dots. So it says the, in the Gemara, Mishatisra Chamik Peshel Grisin, that when you, when do you leave the sukkah after all? Right, you're supposed to stay in the sukkah as if you would stay in your own house. Um, 
if it rained in your house, you wouldn't necessarily go out in the street. You'd have to go to a different place. You'd have to take a hotel. So at, when is the threshold of when we are going to allow the rain to make you potter from sukkah? So we say the grease in here is the split bean porridge. So it ruins your food. So we'll see. This could be a little bit more subjective. In other words, it ruins the experience as follows. Abaya Habakayosef is a story. He went, Kameda Rabbi Yosef b'mitalalata. He was sitting in front of Yosef and they were in the sukkah together. Remember, Yosef was Abaye's Rebbe and he had gone blind and Abaye would remind him of the halachas that he had taught. Nash of Zika Kamaisa right? A wind blew and splinters of wood are now coming down from the schach. This seems dangerous. So Amalur Rabbi Yosef, so Yosef is telling us, Talmidim, Panuli Mani Mehacha, get me out of here. Amalur Abaye, Behatnan Mishatisrach Hamikba. Yeah, but don't you remember? We learned in the Mishnah the fact that it's supposed to wait until the porridge gets ruined, right? So again, Abayu was in the habit of reminding his Rebbe what they had learned, what he had taught. He never could really know, uh, you know, did Rabbi Yosef say, get me out of here because he held so and he was consistent with himself or was it because he had forgotten the Mishnah? So Abayu is reminding Rabbi Yosef. Rabbi Yosef was like, no, no, no. I rem- that Mishnah I remember. I'm a lay. Ladidi came in the... Anina datai kemisha tisrach hamikba damile. He said, "Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Anina datai is technically uh, an right um, an istinus type thing, right? That I am, I'm, I'm. Uh, you know, it's easy for me to be delicate. Thank you, Gavranowitz. It's easy for me, right? To the state of of aninus is one where right you're you're vulnerable. So since I am uh, that kind of person that does not enjoy splinters of wood coming raining down on me, it is." comparable to Tisra HaMikvah, which is to say, he's reassuring Abayah. In this case, I remember the Mishnah of Kamisha Tisra HaMikvah, but don't take it literally, Abayah. It doesn't mean the only thing that can ruin it is if you have, what does that mean? If you're not eating porridge, that you have to stay in the, in the, uh, in the sukkah? Obviously, it's not necessarily literal. It's, it's probably, right? What Rabbi Yosef is teaching his Talmud Abayah is that it is an example of the kind of, uh, so to speak, suffering that you're enduring in the sukkah that would make you pater from sukkah, and therefore the splintering of the wood would certainly also reach that threshold. Okay, some uh, brights are related to this. So, right, it starts to rain, so you leave the sukkah. So now the question is, what are you going to do? Are you going to wait as so- and see as soon as it stops raining, you have to go back in? Uh, to the sukkah, and then what? If it rains again, you have to go back out, and then you have to still wait it out to see if the rain, right? At a certain point, this is no longer a teshu to do it, right? If you're going in and out of the sukkah like a yo-yo, it becomes, uh, it, it becomes already an uncomfortable experience. So therefore, the halacha is, ein matrichinoso lalos sudoso. That once you've left the sukkah, in other words, you've become pater from the sukkah, that tour, so to speak, lasts throughout the remainder of your meal. So once you go inside, you don't have to be preoccupied with whether the rain is going to dissipate. You've, you're inside, finish your meal inside. As we will see, as we already saw in the Mishnah, this is not a great thing to have to happen. It's like the, right? It's like the master pouring the water in the face of his servant, as we will see. But it is, in fact, the halacha that once you go inside, you stay inside. Okay, another halacha. Okay, it's raining on you when, while you're sleeping in the sukkah of Yarod. We don't make you go back until Yeor. Now, Yeor has two spellings. One is with an Aleph 
and one is with an ayin. The one with an aleph is uh, from the word or, as Rashi here explains. That means that if you go into the sukkah and you sleep in the sukkah and... Um, I'm sorry, if you go into the sukkah, it starts to rain, and then instead of sleeping in the sukkah, you go back to sleep in your house, then you have to wake up like Andrew time. You got to get your T-Mobile and make sure you get out of the sukkah by Alot HaShachar, or until the or right, comes into light, which is to say again, right, the, st- the statute of limitations on a meal is until you finish your meal, right? So if it rains during your meal, which is not a great experience, but if that happens and you go inside, then you can go inside until you finish your meal. But when do you finish your sleep? So you have to, you finish your sleep when the day, next day starts. At that point already, if it's no longer raining, you gotta go back into the sukkah. However, the Gemara says, Ibailu, or So this is exactly what the Gemara is asking. Do you mean until you wake up with an ayin or until alosa shachar with an aleph? So the Gemara says, Tashma, you know what? It's really Achiyer Vyale Amurashachar. Both. In other words, you need both. Until Achiyer uh, becomes light. Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. We have, we have a Brysa that says not both. We're going to get to both in a second. Um, the Brysa says Achiyer Vyale Amurashachar, which would imply with an Aleph that it's not until you wake up, but rather you have to set up your T Mobile and get up early for the Amurashachar. However, then the Gemara clarifies the price and says, no, Tarti. Really, it's both. Really, the way to read that Brysa is the way I uh, inadvertently said it the first time, which is the Yeor in the Brysa is supposed to be with an Ein, which is to say, ultimately, just to clarify, that once you go into the house because of rain to sleep in your home, then you actually don't have to set the alarm for before Alosa Shachar. You can say, okay, both criteria have to be met. It has to be day, right? So, for example, you wake up in the middle of the night, right, uh, to go get... I had, I had a friend once who used to um, go to a nutritionist to, to, to go on a diet, and she said, get me, uh, show me, you know, outline what you eat during the day. Right. You got to write it down everything you eat. So, so, so he wrote down, um, around 2 in the morning, every day I wake up, and I have, like, a box of rugelach and a gallon of milk. <laughs> So she said, yeah, cut that out that first. You know what I mean? So let's say you're getting up in the middle of the night to, to make a leishiv. That's a different thing. So maybe then you'd have to stay in the sukkah. That would be an interesting thing. Okay, but anyway, the point is that if you get up in the middle of the night uh, when you're in your house, cause at, which you had slept in because it rained, you don't necessarily have to then transfer to the sukkah. You can wait for both criteria to be met, for it to be day and for you to wake up. That's the uh, end of that price. Okay. So now we're in the two dots, three lines up from the, uh, from the wide lines, I mean, rather. How do you do that to dietitians for, to write everything down? It's all about accountability. That's the Garanowitz Musa moment. Yeah. If, you're, if you write, if you do a Cheshbon and Nefesh and you write it down and you see it in front of your face, because uh-huh. you know why, Garanowitz? We have powers of delusion that are beyond your wildest imagination. Uh-huh. So self-delusion is the key to making no progress. Re- you got to keep it real, Garanowitz. That's right. I, I ask myself, why do I, uh, like you just said, right. why do I lose Exactly. All right. So now let's do. Uh, now that we spoke, let's talk about the mushal, the mushal of the servant and and the uh, right and the master. So the two dots, three lines up from the wide. Mushal dome. What is the comparison? Asked the Mishnah. When it rains on Sukkot, it's like a slave is pouring a cup of wine for his master. The master takes a pitcher of water 
and spills it on his face. The truth is, as we said, in the Mishnah, it doesn't say who spilled the water on who, which prompts the Gemara to ask, Sibailu, Misha Fachlami, right? Who's spilling the water on who? Finally, we have the answer, which we already anticipated, that it's the Rebbe, right, the master, right, pouring the water in the face of the servant. Wow. This is a very strong way of saying, I don't desire your services no more. Why, why, so, why so nasty? Right. In other words, the other way to say, if the servant has spilled it on the master, that would just be an example of, oh, Klal Yisrael, they want to do the mitzvah, but maybe they're not doing the mitzvah with its fullest sincerity. And so they're like a waiter spilling water on the client, right, or on the master, as it were, where they're not doing the greatest job. And so Hashem is sort of sending a message, you're not doing the greatest job spiritually, let's say, and so you're not a cover to have a leak in them, you know? And, and maybe go home and think about that and come back tomorrow, that kind of thing. But the master spilling water on the servant, that's a more, that's, that's a more exaggerated sort of nasty things to do. So I think it's worthwhile to look over here in the Art Scroll Note 21. The Vilna Gaon has, uh, has an explanation. Since this actual mushal is in the Mishnah itself, I don't want to get off this Mishnah without, without spelling out the mushal. He says, why didn't you just say, right, that the, that the slave was coming to hand a cup to the master, and then the master poured the same cup in his face. The Vilna Gaon is getting to the details, right? Because the way we learned it was that the slave is bringing wine to the master, and the master is taking one of the, right, water pitchers that's already on the table in the restaurant, and he's pouring that in his face. So he gets into, the Vilna Gaon does, you have Rosh Hashanah, then you have Yom Kippur, and those are the Imeadin, right? And then you have Sukkis, where you have all of the paraphernalia of the mitzvahs of the Lulav and Esrik, as we're going to see, right? Lulav and Guzzle, and you have all the, all the armentarium, and you have the Sukkah, and all of those are to bring the Rachamim Hashem. But if Hashem is not allowing us, right, to take all of the chuba that we did, right, and then, and then, uh, enable to channel that into doing the mitzvahs, right? That's the way it's supposed to be set up. Right, you're supposed to set up uh, the the idea so that you do all of the right inuyim of Yom Kippur, right, and you get into a high spiritual level, and then get into all the mitzvahs, like filled with mitzvahs, like a pomegranate, right, going into Sukkot. So here he's he's taking away that opportunity. Okay, so the water, right, wine is hard, hard, harsh justice, as the note indicates, according to the Vilna Water is rachamim. And so limzog is that the, the, uh, the uh, evet is trying to dilute the din with rachamim. But if you take, right, the agent of rachamim itself, the water, and pour it in the master's place, he's saying, no, I'm not allowing you to do the, the mitzvah of sukkah because I'm not going to, right, temper the din with rachamim. We're still going to have some midas adin. So the Vilna Gaon is basically bringing out in the actual right details of the mashal, the idea of coming out of the mehadin into the mehrachim. This is almost a calendrical coincidence, as right we are, are we're towards the end of the week and the beginning of next week. We have Rosh Chodesh Elul, and so it's taking. We're about to enter the mehadin. Coming out of the mehadin, you want to have the joy and the true simcha of the rachamim, and though so, it's it's very severe indeed. 
to, to think that we're coming out of Yimei Adin with more Din to follow. But uh, as we know, right, we go through the year and we say that Hoshana Rabbah, right, is also Yom Adin. And we make all those, uh, right, all those Hoshanas and, uh, and, and, and we still ask for Kapara. So there are, of course, elements of Din that go a little bit through the Yantav of Sukkot also. And so it's sort of whether it rains or not, is some, according to the Gra, is some indication of how much din is being tempered by how much rachamim during those days. So that's, that's the, uh, the Vilna Gaon fleshing out that analogy. Okay. Now, let's talk about other omens of natural occurrences where Hashem shows his wrath, dissatisfaction with the world. Okay, so, most of Farshim explained this is like an eclipse. When light is diminished, it's a bad omen. Right? A human king made a suda. Panas in uh, modern parlance means a flashlight. Here it's talking about a lantern. The Gemara didn't know about the flashlight yet. And so he's doing what? He wants them to take of, of the banquet with lighting. However, he became angry with them. Right? In other words, like when, when you get kicked out of a restaurant, they turn off the lights. You know what I mean? He's, he's ending the banquet by taking away the lantern and keeping them in light. He's sending them a message um, that I'm, uh, you are no longer welcomed here. Or, in addition, similarly, Tanya, Rabbi Meir, Omer, Kozman, Shema, Oros, Lokin, Simon, Rala, Sonem, Shalishral. Here, the Sonem, Shalishral is a Sagi Nahar, right? It's a ironic language where it's saying any time that you have um, some, some of the luminescence uh, diminished, right, it is, it is going to be a Simon, Rala, for Klal Yisrael. Why? In other words, really, when you're talking about, right, the, the, uh, an eclipse, that's something that's international, so why, why is that a message for Klal Yisrael? It's a, wouldn't it be a message for all of humanity? Says the Gemara, the Brisa, Yeah, no, he's, everyone sees it, but it's a message to the Jews. Why? Incredible, Lashon. Because the Jews are used to be gluttons for punishment. They are, they're, they're, ma- they're experts at punishment. Rashi. You see the very last thin lines. Any bad thing that happens to the world, the Jews should look at what happens to the world, global pandemic, second round, first round, whichever, whatever happens, the Jews should look around and say, this is a very ethnocentric way of looking at it, which is to say, right, you, you have to look inside yourself and say, what is it? This was done to send us a message. What's the message, right? This is more of a message to the, to the Jewish people than anyone else. Why? An interesting reasoning, because they're more, uh, so to speak, right? They're the ones that get the brunt of all the punishment. It would be like, and the Gemara is going to speak this out a little bit, right? When you have the best, I don't know, the best Talmud, the best kid in the class, why do we always beat up on Andrew? We beat up on Andrew because we care the most about Andrew. He's our fearless leader, right? So, so we beat up on Andrew because if he gets out of line, every, everybody notices it. So he gets the punishment. So similarly, Klal Yisrael is going to be, and here's the mashal. Look at the Gemara. Mashal is soifer, shabal, beis, sefer, or tzub, yado, right? Uh, the, the Yomi teacher comes to, to, uh, comes to Shul with the belt in his hand. Me doeg. Who's he worried about? Mishiragalilkos, v'chol yom v'yomiz doeg. He's worried about Andrew. Right? He's, he's the one that gets the whip every day. 
right? You mete out the punishment. This is not very PC, but you t- you, the idea is, as the Maharsha explains, quoted in the Art Scroll, that it is the uh, prized Talmud, you worry about them fulfilling their potential. And so for them, you, so to speak, figuratively crack the whip, you're paying the closest attention. Similarly, HaKadosh Baruch Hu pays closest attention, and if Kal Yisrael isn't doing what they're supposed to be doing, then he's going to be meeting out punishment, and you're going to see it all over the world. Wow. Toner Rabbanon. The Gemara continues, So when the sun is somehow stricken, So that actually is a message to the Yovdei Kachavim, because where they worship the sun, don't forget. However, when the moon... Get, has issues, Simon Rallah, so name Shal Yisrael. Again, the Saginar, that's talking about the Jews. It's easy to understand why. As the Gemara explains, they should Yisrael, Mon and the Levana, right? We have a lunar calendar. And they have a solar calendar. Look at the Mizrach, when, when the, uh, when the, the pandemic starts in China, really doesn't mean the east necessarily, but it could also mean during the morning, which is in the eastern sky, uh, as Rashi explains, Look at the Mizrach, Baboker. Right, so if it's a morning issue, so then Simon Rala Yoshri Mizrach, it is in fact uh, for the uh, bad sign for the for the Asians. And Bimarav, however, if it's the United States or in the evening, Simon Rala Yoshri Marav. So if something bad happens in the evening, uh, if there's an evening malady, uh, everybody in the Western world should be worried. We should be worried, and people in Los Angeles even more so. If something happens with the sun is smitten in the middle of the sun, Simon Rala Cholalam Kulo. Right, for the whole world. And Panav Domin Ladam, if the face of the sun turns red, Cherev Bala Olam. And it's an omen of war coming. Lesak, if the sun appears similar to pallor, pallid like a sack, Chitze Rav Bala That's like the pallid appearance of hunger, of famine. Okay, Lazu Lazu. How about if it's both pallid and reddish? Uh oh. Then Cherev Chitze Rav Olam. Then it's Hunger Games, right? Then it's going to become both sword and arrows in war as well as hunger. Laka Bechnisaso, if the sun is stricken at sunset, Puranus Shohelavo, that is actually a sign of delayed retribution. Shohelavo, right? Shohel means to be uh, delayed. Bitsiyaso, however, when the sun looks like something's uh, wrong with it at sunrise, right? When the sun leaves its, uh, its box, so to speak, right? Leaves its... Uh, Encasement and comes out to play in the morning, so that means Maharat Lavo, right? So if something's wrong at sunrise, that's a sign of Prohanos um, coming quickly. But some say it's the opposite. In the morning, it means it's going to be delayed, and in the evening, it means it's going to come quickly. Okay. And when a nation is smitten, their, what's Elokeha? Their God is smitten with them? How many gods are there? We believe there's only one God. What's going on here? Rashi, Sarah Hamelitz Beadak, Gon Samael, It's the ministering angel that's put in charge. Obviously, there's only one Eloka, but the ministering angels are assigned to the respective right nations, just like Samael is assigned to Esav, and uh, he takes it on the chin along with his nation that he's in charge of. Shneemar Uvechol Eloheim Yitzrayim Eseshvatim. I'm going to meet out judgment not only on the Egyptians, but on their ministering angels as well. How about some positive reinforcement, Quranowitz? When Kalashro is doing what they're supposed to do, none of this applies, Quranowitz, if you're doing what you're supposed to. As a Jew, listen, don't do as they do. 
right? Follow the Torah and you won't have to worry about all of these symbolism. None of these Gemaras will apply to you. You don't have to worry and be afraid. Yeah, the, the natural nations of the world do have to worry about this. But you don't have to worry about this as long as you're keeping the Ratzon Hashem. This is the Pasuk in Yermio, right? Because, after all, you'll see that they will not apply to you so long as you do what you're supposed to. Hashem will protect you, which the Gemara spells out, right? The meaning of this Pasuk. Right? That the nations of the world do have to worry about these natural consequences, but the Kal Yisrael do not, as long as they're doing the Ratzon Hashem. Okay, six lines up from the bottom, more celestial omens, if you will. The, the sun is going to be stricken on basis of four things. This is, you know, how are you going to tie in these four things? There will be, there will be mafarshim um, that do tie them all in. Um, let's say the av bezdin was not properly eulogized. Amazing, okay. Uh, the chief, the, right, the, the head of the Sanhedrin. That's one thing that will bring uh, the sun to be somehow di- uh, diminished. There is, right, a Nara who had Arison and she's being, right, assaulted and she's crying for help and nobody's coming to help her. Al Mishkov Zachar, right, on, on homosexual relations. Al Daman And on two brothers, right, who, who, who was who were killed simultaneously? I mean, wild, right? Sort of like wild things. W- what do these things have to do with with each other? Is uh, is more like a discussion for the Ben Yehoyada and Maharsha, right? In other words, what what do these things have to do with with, uh, with each other? Rashi himself says, "Bishil Dal Dvarim Lo Shamati Tam Bedavar." The honesty of Rashi. He himself, right? You don't be embarrassed if you can't string these four together because Rashi says he tried and he never heard anybody speak this out as to what these four things have together. So we could speculate. That would be homework, right? As to what these four things have to do with each other. But certainly it seems to be a certain, um, uh, how do I say this? A, a certain refusal of, um, uh, refu- uh, it's like hearing a warning and not accepting a warning. I'm not going to speculate a reason where Rashi himself couldn't find it. I'm just saying, right, certainly you hear like uh, uh, the, the Nara Marasa screaming or you don't have proper sensitivity perhaps to some of the messages that Hashem's trying to send you or that other human beings are trying to send you and, and therefore you, you behave accordingly. Something like that. I don't really know. Uh, and so I will copy our great Rebbe Rashi and say, I can't really string these four together, but that's what the Gemara says. Okay, uh, we will one, we'll one day hear him sure shot. It's very possible that Rabbi Gross will put it together in, in his uh, WhatsApp chat today. Okay. Oh, by the way, on yesterday's chat, I can't, I can't, uh, I don't want to not mention this. We said yesterday, you're going to love this. Rabbi Eliezer was one of the amazing things about Rabbi Lazar ben Horkonis, who was a Talmud of Yochanan ben Zakkai. He was like his Rebbe. He was the, Rabbi Eliezer was the first one always who was in the base medrash, and he was the last one out every single day. And so uh, I forgot who Rabbi Gross quoted, but he said, you might have noticed, he's the very first Manda Omar in the Gemara, Rabbi Eliezer in Brachos, and he's the very last Manda Omar in Uktsin at the end of Uktsin. Okay, the schus that he got for being the first and last. Why not Rabbi Yochanan, who is his Rabbi? I don't know. Lokin. 
On four things, you strike right the, the, star, sun, the stars in the sky, the luminaries and the sun and the moon. Al-Kosve Plastar, people who write forged documents. Al-Me'ide Edus Sheker, false testimony. Al-Me'gadla Behemadaka Be'eretz Yisrael. Behemadaka Be'eretz Yisrael, if you're raising small goats and things like that, they're very shifty. They're running around and you can't avoid gezel. Right, because they're going to always go to someone else's neighboring grass and eat there. And cut down fine trees, which is really fruit-producing trees. You're not supposed to cut down fruit-producing trees. Why? Because Hashem gave you these fruit-producing trees. It's a lack of a karsatov. So these four you could kind of you could kind of put together. This is a lack of appreciation of what Akash Baruch Hu gives you. If you believe that Akash Baruch Hu has an abundance that he can share and give to everyone and there's enough for everyone, if you have, right, what Stephen Covey calls uh, an attitude of abundance as opposed to scarcity, that Elohim Gadol, as the Moroccans uh, in Israel say, right, the Sephardim, that Hashem is big and is abundant and, and, and limitlessly can give to everyone, so then you're not going to start cheating and writing forged documents and you're also not going to be penny wise and pound foolish by cutting down fruit trees and thus showing a lack of hakar satov for the abundant fruit that annually come out of said tree. It's Rashi says over here. It looks like you're an ingrate, right? Akash Baruch Hu is giving you bracha and tov and you are cutting it down. Wow. So right, so Uvishvil Abadvarim the Gemara continues Nichsei Bali Batem Nimsarim Lamalchus. There are four things for which the tax authorities are going to come after you. This is even more direct. Almashe Shtaris Purim, right? If you if you're going to be funny with your financial business, so you're going to have uh, the Shtaris Purim are you have a paid up loan document, as Rashi explains, and you're holding on and you're holding on yet to it as if to say. You still have a star. You're going to go back to the same person and say that he owes you money again. That is really not nice. Almave beribis, the famous no, that's an isadar raisa. As we turn to chavtesam and beis, that is terrible behavior to be malve beribis. Ve'al shehaya sipek biyadam limchos v'lo michu. As Rashi explains, you have balabatim limchos biyad over yaveres shibadoram. Amazing. Rashi explains when you are a wealthy balabas, so people listen to you because they think that you're smart. Because you were able to, you were blessed with wealth. Those people have the ear of the population. And therefore, they could, right, give musr to those who are doing Averos and they would be listened, right? Says Rashi, amazing Lashon. Their words are listened on account of their wealth. Right? Nobody would talk back to a wealthy person. They would talk back to their rabbi. They would talk about their rabbi all day. They would turn it into a sport. But to the wealthy person, nobody's going to talk back. And therefore, it is incumbent upon the wealth to use that wealth for good things. One of them being to, to, to exemplify and maybe even direct proper behavior when uh, possible. Wow. Right? I count the people who are going to be pledging money and they're not going to give. Well, this is obvious. In other words, the tax authorities are going to come take away your wealth because if you use your wealth, if you attain it in unsavory ways and then don't use it for Ratzon Hashem, so then you don't deserve it. Or even more drastically, which is another way of saying they go to oblivion and destroy it completely, which is what? If you don't, if you withhold payment of your sachir, of your workers, or you steal it from them, 
It is a bad practice to cast off responsibility and place all responsibility on your friends and have them do your hard lift, heavy lifting and bidding for you. You're supposed to, right, set the table yourself, so to speak. And just general arrogance. You think everybody is supposed to be your servant? Shem hates arrogance. He's going to knock you down. Uh, we're going to explain. Vigasas are ruach connected kulan. This gaiva of which Gorano speaks that the Gemara just mentioned is the worst of them all. It's the root of all this. Avalba navim, but people who are, in fact, right, um, humble, on them it says, Vanavim yishu aritz visangal rov shalom. Right? It's a pasuk in Tehillim that those, this is a great way to end the parak, Hadron alachayashan, that uh, those who are humble, they will merit the earth, right? They're going to get all of the great. Uh, all of the great merit that could be in the, in the earth. And the reason is because Hashem is above us and therefore, right, uh, humility is the key because humility is really, in essence, recognition of Hashem as opposed to, right, arrogance, which really is pushing away, as we already explained in Masechus Brachos, you're pushing away Hashem because you, you're full of yourself, right? That's, that's, what, that's, the, that's the root of, uh, of all evil, essentially. And that is what Hashem looks for uh, is humility. Just like we said, Moshe Rabbeinu, right? Anav Mikol Adam, greatness comes from humility. Wow. That's a, that's, that, the, no greater, no greater Goranot's lesson than that. Oh, so Hajim Alach, volume one. L'zecher Nishmas Rav Chaim Zev Zatzal. And now, as we begin, Lulav HaGazol, says the Mishnah, third parak. Lulav HaGazol Yavish Pusel. You're not going to be Yaitzei. It's going to be Pusel, inherently Pusel. A, a dry and a stolen lulav. So much to unpack here. You could, you could spend an entire... You know that I learned this... My, 2003 was my first year in, in Israel when we made Aliyah, first of 16 years. And I was only... Whatever, I, I wasn't... I didn't start working yet. I was a meshiv in Or Yishalayim. And my payment was learning with the Rosh Hashiva Shlita of Sasevsky, one of the greatest guys ever. And he... We learned Afternoon Seder together. And we learned Lulav Aguzel. And wouldn't you know, Andrew, at the end of the year, he published a safer on Lulav Aguzel, didn't quote me once. Wow. I could tell he knew what he was talking about. But, what was uh, it great? What was it great? He was just the most sincere guy. Once I was on a plane with him, and, he, and I wake up from my nap, and he's standing over me, he waited for me to wake up, to show me something that he had read in the safer, a Navi or something, on the plane. He was so excited, he had to show me this vart. He was the real deal, Goranowitz, Rav Sosefsky. Wow. And then his daughter, Scooney, is uh, Mechutanim with the Blasses, who used to live in Baltimore. So there's a Baltimore connection. Anyway, it's not for now. But, yeah, but, uh, but a shout-out to Yosef Blass. An uh, a, a overdue shout-out. Okay. Uh, fine. Lulav HaGazel VaYavish Puzzle. See, there's a lot here, right? Uh, there's a machlokas about the Lulav HaYavish. Why would a dry Lulav be puzzle? So the Yerushalmi, there's really three reasons. The Yerushalmi gives what some Rishonim say is the best reason, some Rishonim say is the worst reason. But basically, if it's Yovish, it's like a mace, which is not necessarily literal, quotes a pasuk, right? Um, but it's like a mace, lo mace mihalu, right, from Tehillim, and, and Yovish is chash of kames, this is the Yerushalmi. But the point is, it's, Rashi's going to say it's a diminishment of Zekeli van Vehu. Problem is, Zekeli van Vehu is a hider mitzvah. So one way to understand it is that the Hidr Mitzvah, this is what Tosfo says, it's the third reason, is that it's supposed to be a pre-Aitz Hadar, which is to say, if you don't have pre-Aitz Hadar, 
So I, I'd like to put Rashi together with Tosfos, although I think that's not the normative way to look at it. I think it could be, I'm probably wrong, but it could be what Rashi is saying by quoting the Pasuk of Zekeli Van Vehu is not to say that it's, a, that it's not only to say that it's a lack of hider, that's the problem, but in other words, it's a lack of hider because by saying Priya Hadar, it defines the Lulav as something that requires hider. And therefore, that which normally would be a hither mitzvah in the case of the lulav is in fact ikar hadin. That's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to speak out. But that what I'm saying really amounts to tosfos. That the priates hadar, the pasuk is saying that it has to be mehuder. Now, there's the question is, if it's only a problem hither, why are you saying puzzle? Puzzle implies that you're not even yotzim the oven. Okay, so that, that's, uh, so that, that's basically, you know, uh, about uh, two weeks of Elzman summarized in a couple of minutes, but that's why the Yavish would be puzzle. So we know in Sukkah, we go Sukkah, where does this little of come from? Ah, so, so, so as Goranitz points out, Sukkah has a lot of different streams. There's a whole Sukkah, we're learning Masechah Sukkah, and we're making a big transition now. Now we're going to the paraphernalia. So the truth of the matter is, it comes from the Sukkah, it comes from the Torah Goranitz, the Chumash. Says, so one thing you can ask is, pre-eight other is the esrog. Why are we starting with the lulav? Okay, Yeshua asks that. Uh, okay, you, you pick up the, uh, I mean, strength in numbers, maybe the lulav means the lulav, the hadas, and the aravos. I, I'm okay, I'm okay with starting with the lulav, um, even though it's out of order in the pasuk. Uh, the lulav kind of stands out uh, for us, uh, so that's one thing. The other thing is, is where you learn from the Pasuk that it has to be Lachem. That's where the guzzle comes in, Goranowitz. It can't be guzzle because it has to be Lachem. Okay? And we talked about Sukkah Gazula already. What, Sukkah Gazula versus Lulav a guzzle. But we're going to talk about this more at length. Let, let's. Yeah. Are uh, you saying, where did they physically get Dalad Minim in the desert? Uh-huh. Where are you getting Arve Nachal in the desert? Oh. What about Sukkas, uh, Sukkas in the Midbar? Anybody know where they got it in the desert? That's a good question, Goranowitz. I never saw Arve Nachal in the desert. But then again, I've never really been to the desert. Uh, I'm going to have to ask Rabbi Gross and get back to Bli Neder. Wow. Okay. If anybody finds out. Okay, so be that as it may, right? Even now, it's a big industry, you know. Okay. Now, because it doesn't grow everywhere. Okay. So, Lulav HaGadol Yavish Pasel. Shel Asherah Shel Yonidachas Pasel. So now, Asherah is a tree that somebody turned into an Avodah stupidly. So that uh, is something that you're not supposed to, right? That, that's, the Gemara is going to explain, right? You're supposed to uh, destroy it. Right, so destroying it is a little bit different. This is what I was explaining to Yitziti. That Yovesh is still, the dimensions of it, you can still tell it's a, it's a lulav. It's just totally dried out, right? As opposed to Asherah, you're supposed to destroy it. This is what's called that even though it is intact, right? It looks even juicy. It doesn't, it's not Yavesh. It's a beautiful looking lulav. That's why they're worshiping it. However, right, it's meant to be burnt. You're supposed to burn an Asherah tree. And therefore, halachically, it's considered as if it's already burnt and it's charred and totally unusable, okay? Irni Dachas also. It's possible because it's supposed to be burnt. Niktam Rosho. What if the top of the lulav was 
clipped off, or nifertu alav, right? Or it was spread out like a fan, or then it's puzzle, right? Because then it no longer resembles what it's supposed to look like, right? Whereas Rashi, again, he says, puzzle delavi hadar. So I, until further notice, which might be today, I'm holding that Rashi holds a little bit, uh, not quite as far away from, I mean, certainly Tosfos thought that Rashi thought it was an issue of, of a hidr mitzvah. But it could be the Rashi, I don't know, maybe it could be the Rashi held a little bit like Tosfos here, that Lohavi Hadar, because the Hadar is in, indicated in the Pasuk itself, and therefore that's why it's not good, right? Um, and, and here too, by Nifredu Alav, he's saying it's, it's, it's uh, Nifredu Alav, rather. It's saying that it loses its status at that point of Priyat's Hadar, and therefore it is inherently not going to be usable. It's not the same thing. It's not what the Torah said to bring, so therefore puzzle. Nifredu Alav, however, if the leaves are just separated, it's Kasher. So there, Rashi says, that there it's going to be Kasher, even though it's not going to be right um, the best. But then it's, it's still going to be kosher as long as it's connected in the bottom. And Rabbi Yehuda Omer Yagdenu Malmala. You, ha, you should um, tie it together right on top. And like Sharlu Lovin, as Rashi explains. And then that would make it kosher. Okay, as we'll discuss. Now, Tzine Harabarzel Kasherus. Now, there was a certain type of date palm that they used for Lulavim that looked a certain way. Tzine Harabarzel. And they, the Mishnah wants to tell you that those branches that have short leaves that don't go all the way up the spine, even though they're not the typical lulav, uh, the Mishnah is telling you that that is going to be okay. And finally, lulav sheish v'shloshet fachem k'deh l'anerbo kasher. A lulav that has, this is uh, something that Rashi has to explain, that three t'fachem k'deh l'anerbo means, uh, Rashi is quoting the, the Gemara that we'll see later, uh, which explains what this means, which is that Shloshet Fachim here means that three Tfachim um, that will be connected the length, right? Corresponding to the length of the Hadas um, and then the extra Tefach to, for a total of four, an extra Tefach above that for the Sheiki Sheiki, the Nanuim that we're going to be doing afterwards. So really, even though it says Shloshet Fachim it means three Tfachim all the way up the Hadas and then an additional tefach for a total of four, kedela na'neabo. That's what the Gemara is going to explain, and Rashi brings it in here now. Fine. So says the Gemara, as we have five minutes or so, let's analyze. Kapasik Vatani. What's this lulav hayavish? Says the Mishnah. In other words, Kapasik Vatani means the Mishnah was unequivocal, right? It says lulav hayavish pasal. Didn't say pasal biyom rishon. It says pasal. Sounds like that would be true for all seven days of Sukkot. So Bishlema Yavesh, right? And it said so with respect to both Yavesh and Gazel. So I can understand with the Yavesh, Hadar Be'inan Veleka. This is, where Ra- this is where Rashi gets his shot. This is where I think, this is why I think Rashi's saying this. Hadar Be'inan Veleka means the Pasuk says Hadar. And we don't have this beauty in the Lulav Ha Yavesh. And therefore, it is inherently not what the Torah described as the min that you're supposed to bring. And therefore, it is inherently not even, right, it, uh, not even usable for any aspects of uh, mitzvah lulav that you would use on any of the days of sukkahs. When it came to lulav a gazol, so it says, again, So it's only saying the first day. By the way, if it says the first day, why does anybody even bring it more than the first day? Why would anybody bring it the rest of sukkahs? The, the Torah didn't tell you to do that. The Torah only told you to bring Dalmin the first day. 
Why would the Torah, why would anybody bring it more than just the first day? So that is the Takanas Rabbanon, which we're going to learn about. They made it a Takana in order to commemorate the Avoda of, right? It's Zechel Mikdash, right? To do this mitzvah, Zechel Mikdash. Once they, they, they had it, um, com, uh, corresponding, right? To the Smachtem Lifnei Hashem Alkechem Shivas Yamim, right? That it, they took that Pasuk and they said, ah, oh, that when, you have a base of mikdash because of the simcha of the base of mikdash. You're supposed to bring the the dal minim, not just the first day, as the pasuk says, but for the entire seven days as part of the simchas base of mikdash. So, and then once the base of mikdash right was was nechrav, was destroyed. So then they made a a gezeira derabanan for the lula for the whole seven days everywhere as a zecher le mikdash. So that's important here to understand, right? This is this is uh, this is pretty deep. So once they made that gazera, now it all makes sense. Because to make the gazera on, I mean, it's, it still requires a lot of parish in the Rishonim. But once you make the gazera, right, so you can understand how it would not apply. This is, the, this is how a lot of Rishonim explain the, the question in the Mishnah, in the Gemara rather. That the gazera, I can understand if it's not a lulav, it's the same thing as one of these toy lulavim. So then that, of course, won't, it won't help you on any of the days of Sukkot. Not during the first day, which is Daraisa, or the rest of the days, which are Darabanan. It won't help you. But a guzzle, so I can understand, that's still a lulav, and maybe that, now even Rabari Leibowitz, the great Tafiyomi master, said that he didn't understand the chiluk that well. Both of those aspects are implied in the Pasuk, right? The Pasuk says Lachem, which is to exclude guzzle, and the Pasuk says Hadar, which is, which is to exclude Yavesh. So why, why would you split the difference? I, for whatever reason, I could see intuitively how Yavish is more inherent, right, to the Lulav. And therefore, that would be, right, something that would not, that would not be usable at all, as opposed to Guzzel. So it's a, it's a technicality that only applies to the Mishalachem of the first day, but maybe Chazal were, did not require that once they made the Tachana, because after all, to borrow, right, or to, uh, to take a Lulav that's not yours, maybe the Durabanan can't, um, right, maybe they can't enforce that in the same way. So it says, and therefore, why would you not be allowed to use, and yet, the Mishnah says, uncat- right, says categorically that you can't use it. So why is it that the Lul of a Guzzle can't be used at all? The rest of Yantiv, as we arrive at Laman Mitzvah because of the concept of Mitzvah Balavera, which is why it's usher, and that's always a problem, and that's why it's usher all of the rest of the days, uh, the Luva Gazel is usher all of the rest of the days of Yantav as well, even the Darabanans, and that Mitzvah Balavera will be the topic of tomorrow's daf, Lamed in Masechah Sukkah. Right, which I